If you've got your Bibles, 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13, we're going to go there because we're still talking about love. Love that song this morning. As you draw me deeper still into love. Into love. You know, there's a bottomless pit of love for you to walk, fall into. Um, and if you're anything like me, you're learning more and more about what love looks like and feels like and and what that looks like to live in that. Because that's what we need to be as followers of Jesus, as people that are so overflowing with love that everyone around us feels it, experiences it, um, and knows the love of God. So here we are, um, 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, but oh, hold on, there was something I was going to say. I can't remember. Anyway, it'll come to me later. should have written it down at the time I thought, oh, I should write that down. Anyway. Anyone else had that experience where you think something and thought comes in and then it flies out the other side? Anyone else? Yeah, okay, cool. You do that at the supermarket? Oh, man. Anyway, <laughs> we have all the technology in the world, but we still can't remember stuff. It's crazy. Okay, so here we are, First Corinthians 13. I'll, I'll get back into topic. Um, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, love never fails. I remember memorizing this when I was 11, this whole chapter of 1 Corinthians 13, um, I had the privilege of when I was uh, uh, at intermediate, so year, year seven and eight, um, for those of you old school, form one and two, uh, I went to, um, went to a Christian school. And um, one of the things they had was this opportunity for us. Every month we would have a chapter of the Bible that was our, our um, memory verse for the year, uh, for the month, sorry. And so you got to a chance to memorize that. And then at the end of the month, you could, go into a room with one of the teachers and they would um, they would test that you memorized that whole passage. And I remember we did 1 Corinthians 13 along with a whole bunch of other ones. And I can still, I, I would still say that my knowledge of the Bible, um, while I may not know reference points of it, um, came from that time of just those on slab memorizing things. And there are so many times when I'm in situations and I've been in places where God's just prompted my mind out of my memory of, of, uh, of a verse or something that I've, I've memorized at some point. And it's been applicable for the moment. And, you know, I think it's, it's so important for us as part of our disciplines and faith is to get hold of, of Scripture and to memorize passages, particularly ones that we really feel that God has spoken to us out of or there's something about it that we really want to get deep within us as a person and in, in our soul. There's nothing like memorizing something to do that. And so I just want to encourage us again, you know, as we're followers of Jesus, one of the things that is a significant part of that is the disciplines of faith. And memorization of scripture is one of those. Um, and so I just want to encourage you. It's a little bit of a sidetrack from my message, but um, there's something that brings life to us as we memorize the scriptures. And as we get them in our hearts. And so just want to encourage us in that. 
Uh, there are many times God speaks to us because it's already stored in our heart. This morning, I want to talk about uh, verse 6, which says, Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. You know, as I was, as I was prepping um, and thinking through this, this particular message today, I was... Um, I read this and I was like, oh, you know, there's, there's four key words for me in here. Um, there's the delight, evil, rejoice, truth, those four words. And so I wanted to look at those, those four words this morning and just unpack those a little bit for us to maybe give us a little bit of an understanding. Because I think you can read this and you can go, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. And you can go, yes, um, but and that's cool. And, and yes, amen, that is absolutely true. But there's a depth to it that I just want to grab on this morning and help us to maybe take that to another level in our own lives of what that looks like. So I want to start with the two words, the delight and the rejoice, because actually their root word is exactly the same word in, he, in Greek. Sorry. So they're actually the same, except there's um, the second one. So the rejoices, rejoices with is actually the word. They've added this little uh, but at the start, which is just in Greek as sin, which means S-Y-N, that is, not S-I-N, um, which, which means the idea of together with or joining with. So there's a sense of agreement with that one. Versus the first one, it's, a, it's this idea that I celebrate um, and, or I'm drawn towards or I lean, to, lean into. It's this idea of lean into. Now, the root word for these, the, for these things, rejoice, is the same root word as for grace and the same root word as for joy. So all of those are actually interlinked around, around this. So the idea of grace, joy, and rejoicing or delighting are all really the same root word. The same idea is captured here. One is the negative. So the first one obviously does not delight. So there's this idea that I don't delight in evil. It's not something I lean into. It's not something I'm drawn towards. It's something that actually repels me is the idea. It's this idea that, that instead of leaning into joy or into grace, which is what God calls us and invites us to do, this is this idea that I'm actually, love repels me from evil. So there's something inside of me that is pushing away from that thing. And it's not something you have to work at. This is this idea that it's something inherently in us because of the Spirit of God, that that idea of grace is a free gift that's given by God. The joy of the Holy Spirit is a, is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's something that's given to us by God. It's not something you and I have to work up. You know, it's not like you have to work hard to avoid evil. When you're a follower of Jesus and you're allowing the love of God to invade your life, there is something in you that is pushing you away from, that's repelling you from evil. And then the other side of it, the second part is, is this idea of rejoices with, is it's the opposite thing. There's this thing that draws you into a point where you're leaning in, but you're not just leaning in, but you're inviting partnership with. You get the difference there? There's not just this idea of attraction to to the truth, but there's this idea that something inside of me is wanting to partner with and join with the truth. So love has this internal action within us 
that it repels us from evil and it draws us in, but it doesn't just draw us in, it invites us into partnership with the truth. That's a really cool idea. For me, that that's something that is inherently in us if we allow love to become the source. Or as Paul says, if you don't have love, you don't have anything earlier in the chapter. That for us, you know, sometimes, you know, one of the things I was taught as I was growing up is that as a follower of Jesus, you just got to work really hard. You got to work hard to not sin. Don't get involved in these. Don't get involved in that. And it was all about working something, right? Any of you remember that kind of stuff? I want to say, I want to, I want to invite you into this journey with God that is actually the more you invite love and allow love to invade your life, the more naturally you'll be repelled from evil and you'll be drawn to the truth. There'll be something inside of you that invites you, that, that is drawn into this partnership with truth. You don't have to work at it. It's something that as you grow in the revelation of love, it naturally happens to you. How cool is that? That, that sort of says, well, I know now why Jesus was the way he was. Because I don't see Jesus in his life spending his time going around going, oh no, I can't do that. Can't do this. He knew naturally within him, he was repelled from evil, from himself, right? And so he could walk into any situation he was in and he could, re he could register because he was love impersonated, well not impersonated, personified, that's the better way of putting it. Um, I was just getting the right word, you know, my brain was a bit slow there. Um, because he was love personified in the flesh, love incarnate, then internally within him, wherever situation he walked into, there was internally a repelling of evil and a drawing towards the truth and a partnership with it. It wasn't something he had to work for. It was something that was naturally there. So he could walk into situations where the religious people looked at it and they went, you don't do that. But Jesus walks on in, why? Because love was in him. And he knew if I listen to the love to the Holy Spirit inside of me, I know when I need to, what's repelling me and what's drawing me. And greater is he who is in you and I than he who's in the world. Amen. So it wasn't based out of fear because the religious people operate out of fear. I don't want to touch that person just in case I get contaminated. I don't want to hang out with that person in case their sin and their evil infects me. That's what religious people do. It's based out of fear. Whereas God people who are serving out of love, they are motivated by love and they're drawn by love and they trust love because great, the greater love is in me than anything that I'm going to face because of Jesus. Do you get that? So I want to go um, and talk about the two other words, evil and truth, because if you're going to be drawn towards one and repelled by another, it's probably helpful to understand because you and I, when we read these words, we have a particular picture that comes of that, of what's evil and what's truth. And we, we have our view of that. You know, you'll have an imagination. When I use the word evil, you'll have a picture that'll pop up into your mind of what that, look, what that means. If I say truth, we'll all have an imagination wrapped around that, right? 
I know for me, when I, when one of the things I've had to unwind myself from is this idea that truth is absolute and it's black and white. <laughs> because what that led me to was this idea that I, I, it's in or out, which ends up in this place and it comes out of fear because the same thing religious people do. I gotta get the truth right because if I don't, I'm in trouble. And then I had a revelation that Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So truth was a relationship with Jesus. That was where truth came from. It wasn't out of a bunch of rules that I happened to get right. It was, it was being immersed in relationship with Jesus, that that was where I discovered truth in every situation. And learning that love draws me to truth. Yeah? Does that make sense? In the, in the Greek, it's this idea of uh, truth is reality or true to fact. In the ancient Greek world, the idea of truth was this idea of reality as opposed to an illusion. The idea of, um, if you want to put it this, this way to understand it, the idea of truth that we're talking about here was this idea that you can believe a lie about something just because of what you've been taught, what your experience is, but that's actually an illusion because it's not reality. Does that make sense? So, for example, if you want to, if you want to look at some scriptures that help with this is... Um, John chapter 8, verse 44. And it says there, um, and this is Jesus talking to religious people, to Pharisees. And they're trying to, trying to trap him um, by what the question they asked. And his response to them is, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. The idea that, that deception is not truth. Illusion. Sometimes where, where we are taught or we, we begin to believe things about ourselves that aren't actually reality. Let me give you an example from my personal life. This might help with this. So one of the things that, um, that I grew up with, uh, which I didn't discover probably till I was about 16, 17, um, and that came, back, uh, came about by a word of knowledge, but one of the things that I really struggled with all through my early life was this idea of rejection. Internally, I believed that I wasn't good enough internally and that people didn't like me, and that was my inherent view of myself it was an illusion a deception that had happened just because and I'm not placing blame here I'm just saying experiences teach us things <laughs> and they can teach us evil or they can teach us truth depending on how we view them or what our understanding of God is in amongst that experience does that make sense so for me, my, my root cause of that was actually something that happened before I was born. I was an unwanted child. I surprised mum and dad. Well, sorry, God surprised mum and dad with my conception. 
because he had a plan for me to be born. Mum and dad didn't, right? God always has a plan for us. That's why we're here, right? You're not here by mistake. You're here by divine design. Um, but I didn't understand that until later in my life. And unfortunately, what had happened is because of that, in my psyche and in my soul, there developed this idea that you're not wanted and you're not good enough and you don't measure up. You're just an afterthought. Now, that wasn't true for my parents. They went through that primarily because of the shock. <laughs> of, uh, like, is it just an idea. It's seven years between me and my next brother. So you just think about that. You've moved through all the baby stage. You've got now a seven-year-old. And then you're going back to having a baby again. And mum was, uh, was 40 at the time, which back in the 70s, that was a pretty, you know, that was really old to be having a baby. Okay. Nowadays, that's semi-normal in that sort of age group. That's fine. Um, but back then, pretty, pretty abnormal. So... Completely normal for mum and dad to go, what the heck? Um, and I say, well, there's only one, one way you can stop it, mum and dad, and uh, that's to be celibate. Um, just a reality. Anyway, so coming back to me, because it's all about me. Uh, anyway, so, so what had happened was that birthed something inside of me that became a lie and illusion a delusion that I believed through my life. So I used to live with this inherent thing within me. The great thing about it is that God exposed that lie by teaching me what is reality. Now, reality is that, as I said before, that every one of us is here by divine design. I am here by divine design. It's not a mistake. It's not, it's not an accident. It's a deliberate plan of God that I was here. Mum and dad just didn't know about that plan. But I had to, at some point, allow something to transform in my life, allow the love of God to transform something in my life so that I was drawn to the truth of that rather than the lie or the illusion that I believed, which is I wasn't wanted and I wasn't good enough. I had to allow that transformation to take place within me. That's what I mean by truth, is the reality of what God says about you is truth. That's truth. And that is discovered in relationship. The Scriptures can give you some, some ideas, but actually all they give you is they actually give you head knowledge about something and what you actually need is a, is a revelation, a relationary revelation of that fact. Because for me, I, was, I grew up in a, in a Christian home in the church, so I knew that God loved me. Sunday school, we used to sing. Jesus loves me, this I know. I knew that. And yet the, the actions of my life were not dictated by that reality. They were dictated by this illusion that I thought was truth, but it wasn't. And it's amazing that in all of our lives, we have areas of, uh, of lie or illusion or not truth that exists in us that is empowered by our enemy. And the reason he allows it to sit there 
And he wants it to sit there is it because it stops us from being fully who God's called us to be. The more you live with an illusion in your life or a delusion or a lie in your life, you miss out on all that God's got for you because you're not partnering with truth, the reality of the kingdom of God, the reality of what God says about you. You're partnering with a lie. And and what's really clear in Scripture is if you're partnering with a lie, you're never going to experience the abundance that God has for you. Actually, what it does is this, this idea, because if you're partnering with a lie, let's go back to our thing. Love does not delight in evil. This idea that, that there's something in you that is repelling you from all that God's got for you because you don't actually believe it's true. So you're actually working against what the Holy Spirit is trying to do because you're believing a lie. And that's that idea that here. Does that make sense? So this idea of truth is based in a relationship with God. The Bible and Scripture helps us to unlock and understand what truth is, but actually the revelation and the life comes from it is when Holy Spirit inspires it to us. Does that make sense? So you can read the Bible, you can memorize it, and all of that is fantastic, but what we actually need is when Holy Spirit inspires it to us so that it becomes something that is alive and real to me. Now, the other one is evil, and I'm going to finish with this one. So this is this thing that we're repelled, internally repelled by. And, and the Greek word initially, all it really means is not justice. So the word evil, in terms of the original language, was this idea of not justice. So the opposite of justice, the idea of unrighteousness or a violation of God's standards of what things are, which brings divine disapproval. So often in our, in our imagination, we see something evil. In other words, really evil is this idea of darkness, things wrong that we shouldn't do. It's often the imagination that's wrapped around evil. And, and often it'll be behaviors that we'll list under that. Right? The essence of it was about this idea of evil being injustice and unrighteousness. Evil being injustice and unrighteousness. See, if you read in, um, in Psalms chapter, 18, uh, chapter 84, it's a fantastic passage if you want to read it. But verse 14 says that righteousness and justice are foundations of God's throne. Unfailing love and truth walk before you as attendants. So the kingdom of God, foundational concept is justice and righteousness. And evil is the opposite of that. It's injustice and unrighteousness. So it's anything, evil is anything that operates opposite to the kingdom of God. Which if you want to put it in really simple terms, anything that's not truth. Pretty simple, really, eh? 
Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Two phrases that say exactly the same thing. One negative, one positive. And you and I are called to be people who partner with the truth, who invite it, who delight it, who work to shift injustice and unrighteousness when we see it. In our own lives, personally, but also around us. That is why, for me, I think people who are operating in love, we are not satisfied when we see in our community and in our society areas of injustice. Because there's something about that that operates opposite to the kingdom of God. Does that make sense? If you see injustice, that should be something that irritates you, that repels you, that you go, actually, that's not the way life is meant to work. It's meant to be better than that. Because God's kingdom is about justice for all people. You know that that is love for us. You know, I, I, I love this passage, that uh, this particular part of this passage, because it, it's really an invitation into a deeper relationship with God. And to ask yourself the question, what am I partnering with? What am I attracted to? What am I drawn to? What am I partnering with in my life? Am I partnering with the things that reflect the kingdom of God? Because love expressed comes out in that way, according to this, where I rejoice, where I partner with, where I find great delight in the truth of Jesus and what he has for me, but also what he has for other people. You know, this morning when, when we finish worship and there's this time of just being able to pray for the Lewises and prophetically over Paul and, and stuff, that, that kind of thing, we go, yes and amen, because we see that that's an expression of the kingdom of God. And so something within us as followers of Jesus leaps to rejoice with that and says, yes and amen, because that is the kingdom of God wanting to speak blessing, wanting to speak freedom, wanting to speak legacy over people's hearts, wanting to speak hope. That is what I'm drawn to. That's what we should be drawn to and what we want to see an increasing measure within our lives and how we live our lives and in the life of this church because we're so much experiencing an increase of love within us. If we could just grab this in our hearts, I think life and following Jesus would be so much more free that we can trust Holy Spirit within us to lead us and guide us and something in us will repel us from those things that are not the kingdom and will attract us to those things that are the kingdom so that we can partner with them, we can rejoice, we can get delight from seeing the kingdom of God expanding and extending through us. Amen? Fantastic. Let's pray this morning. God, I thank you uh, that you have chosen to live in us by your Holy Spirit. That you've always wanted to have your dwelling place, not just amongst your people, but in us. 
that that's always been your plan. And so we thank you that you're in us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you've said that you will lead us and guide us in all truth. And so we ask for each of us that you would help us to grow in love. We would grow within so that we are able to walk out and rejoice with the truth. God, that's not something we have to strive for. It's something we just grow in an awareness of what's already happening in our spirit. And we respond to your nudges. God, help us with that, we pray. Because the end result, Lord, is we want to see your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. We want to see your will be done. We want to see every person that we come into contact with experience the love of a God who's for them and not against them. God, help us as we live our lives to be drawn towards the things that are your kingdom and to choose to partner with those we ask. In Jesus' name, amen.